Max Lucada, in his book, In the Eye of the Storm, writes the following. An old man walks down a Florida beach. The sun is setting like a huge orange ball at the distant horizon. The ocean waves are gently slapping the soft white sand. The smell of salt water stings the air. The beach is nearly empty. Uh, uh, there's no sun to entice the sunbathers. Not enough light for the fishermen. So aside from a few joggers and strollers, this old guy is alone. As he walks down the beach in his bony hands, he's carrying a bucket. It's a bucket of shrimp. But shrimp's not for him and it's not for the fish. No, it's for, it's for the seagulls. He carries this bucket to an isolated pier cast in gold by the setting sun. He walks slowly to the end of the pier. It's Friday night and his time has come for his weekly ritual. He stands and he waits. In just a few seconds, the sky becomes a mass of dancing dots. The evening silence gives way to the loud sounds of screeching seagulls, and they are everywhere. They fill the sky. They cover the pier. You see they're on a journey to meet the old man. And for almost an hour, this pushy-browed, shoulder-bent old man stands on the pier, surrounded by the birds of the sea, until the bucket of shrimp is completely gone. And even after the food is gone, the feathered friends still linger, they linger as if they're attracted to more than just the food. They walk on the pier, and they all, the old man and the hundreds of seagulls, share a moment together. Okay, get that picture in your mind, snap a photo of it, and we're going to open that up at the end of our conversation this morning. Uh, would you pray with me? Father God, we love you. We praise you. Uh, this is your day. And God, help each of us to open our hearts and minds to whatever you would want to say to us. Father, uh, enable me to speak the words you want me to speak. Uh, forgive me for my many sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a few days ago, millions of people across this nation celebrated Thanksgiving Day. They boarded airplanes. They piled into minivans. They flew across the country, drove along the highways, they gathered in homes and apartments, condos and restaurants. They sat around tables and living rooms with family and friends. They ate and they laughed. They ate and shared. They ate and they celebrated. They ate and they watched football. They ate and they ate and they ate and they ate. Now, Americans have been celebrating the last Thursday of November since George Washington and a, a resolution from Congress in 1789 set that day apart. And then in 1863, Abraham Lincoln, during the middle of the Civil War, made Thanksgiving a federal holiday. And here are some of the words of his decree that, that day. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as the day of Thanksgiving and praise for our Heavenly Father, who dwells in the heavens above, Abraham Lincoln. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, right? Everybody have a good one? Had a good one, right? If you got pumpkin pie and Cool Whip and ham, you're, you're in business. And my daughter came from Indiana with her crew, so that was awesome. And I also hope that you were intentional about living out God's kind of love during the festivities. Remember, this is your checklist, not the checklist of people in your family. You know, love is patient, slow to bowl over, making allowances for others' faults and shortcomings. You maybe encountered one or two this week. 
Uh, love unleashes kindness on family and friends, even on those who do not deserve it. Love does not envy. Love loves grace. Love loves grace to others. Love loves grace to themselves. Love does not envy. Uh, love is not proud but humble. You know, giving up its rights, learning from others, admitting when it's wrong. Love is not rude but respectful. Always thinking before it speaks, making sure that the words that come out of their mouths are words that build up and do not tear down. And love is not easily angered. Love reflects before reacting, asking, why am I angry? Am I afraid? Am I hurt? Am I frustrated? And then love unleashes anger in an appropriate God-honoring way. I understand God's kind of love is intended to be like this this powerful, unstoppable force, love never fails, that, that is poured over every single relationship in our lives. And, and here's the deal. If you will make the pursuit of the kind of love we've been talking about since October 13th, if you will take this pursuit seriously, it will change everything. It, it'll change every one of your relationships It'll change every environment you're a part of, and it will change you in ways that you could not even imagine because love is that powerful, and God's kind of love is that important. Get it? Good. And so today, December 1st, three days after Thanksgiving 2019, uh, we're going to continue in our Love is series. However, I'm going to kind of well, not kind of, I am. I'm jumping out of 1 Corinthians 13, and I want to consider the truth that, that love is thankful. That love is thankful. You see, something happens inside of our inner being when we're thankful, and it flows out from us to other people. Love is thankful. Psalm 107, verse 1 and 2, give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. His faithless endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he's redeemed you from your enemies. You see, thankfulness and gratitude are powerful ingredients that we can add to our understanding of what love is. Uh, in fact, love is thankful, and, and thankfulness is, is such a powerful and transforming virtue. Like, like what do you find more appealing Gratitude or ingratitude? Who's more pleasant to be around? Grateful and thankful people or ingrateful and complaining people? Now, do you think, like, if you, do you think if you consistently and genuinely added thankfulness to your life and to your relationships, do you think it would be a good thing? Do you think it would have a, a positive impact? Like, could you be more thankful to those around you? Love is thankful. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And next week, we're going to talk about what I think is probably the toughest facet of love, right? It, it, it's one I'm scared to preach on. Like, I can't tell you how I've been tested every time I preach. Love is not easily angered. Man, that was tested, man, up to here. You know, up to here, man. Wow, it was tested. I, I did pretty good, actually. Surprised myself. Um, uh, this one scares me. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You know, that one scares me, right? You know, um, you start thinking about that, right? Hurt and past and forgiveness, right? Um, and and uh, 
But I'm convinced that God wants to use next week because there may be one or two people in here that have some past hurt that is holding you back from the future God has for you. And, And if you come with an open heart and open mind, I really believe that God could set you free from that past hurt and enable you to live the life and the future that he has planned for you. And then on December 15th, we'll conclude our Love Is series with a conversation I'm calling Love Does, Does Not, Always, Never, Is Not. <laughs> and that's like wrapping everything up that's still left in, in one fun message, right? It's the first Sunday in December. Love is thankful. Uh, before we go there, just a, a really brief commercial break. Um, as you guys know, next Sunday, we're voting on our budget. And I mentioned this last week. You'll see this on the back of your program. And the bottom line is we vote next week. You have until you know, Saturday of next week. You can meet the elders in the cafe, set up an appointment. They'll answer any questions that you have. Um, uh, and then on next Sunday, we just simply vote on the budget, yes or no. And some things to keep in mind, you can see there was an increase in our budget of uh, 18534 $1,000. And the personnel increased by... You know, 10,927, and that's due in part to a new children's minister coordinator position. Operations increased. You can see the number there, a little over nine grand, um, because last year we funded air conditioning repair. We had three of them go up last year, which is never fun, right? And we funded that through our a building fund, and this year we want to incorporate that into our budget. You'll see that the, 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 the youth ministry went up by 10,700. That's because last year we had a youth fund that funded those summer conferences. Now that's part of the budget. And you'll see that we also had a mortgage decrease uh, uh, payment of, uh, yearly of 11579 due to our uh, refinancing with Christian financial resources. You know, it's a 5% increase overall. And, and that's not scary to me, right? Because if we have 5% growth in 2020, the median income as of 2018 in Albemarle County is $72,000. So if we bring in uh, three families join our church that are tithing families, they, they meet up the budget and we got 3000 extra dollars, right? That's one way. Another way is we all increase our giving by 5%, right? So if you're giving $100 now a week, you give $105, right? You know, I, I think a 5% increase is really doable. Um, any other questions, you can um, get with the leaders on that. But again, all those things are the back of your bulletin. Now let's really do this. Love is thankful. And here's how I want to attack the conversation this morning. I want to unpack two statements. I am thankful for, and I will take the 32-day challenge. I'm thankful for. If we were really to list and talk about all the reasons we should be thankful to God, we'd be here to at least 3 p.m. today. Uh, so this morning, I, 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 I want to share with you a few of my favorite things that I'm thankful for to God. If you're a Jesus follower, they apply to you just as well. And my hunch is that you, like me, are not, literally as, are not nearly as thankful for these things as you should be. Like they don't excite you as much as... Your team winning a football game. The guy or girl saying, yes, I'll go out with you, right? You know, or or getting a promotion at work or getting a pay raise. 
But they should, these things should excite you more than any of that. And I hope the day you realize that this is something incredible to be thankful for. Number one, I'm thankful for the mercy and grace that God shows me. I'm thankful. A mercy is not getting what you do deserve, right? And grace is getting what you don't deserve, right? I'm thankful for God's mercy and grace. Here's a passage I'm going to read. It's going to pop up on the screen. You've heard it before. About 10 verses from Ephesians chapter 2. This is your before and after story if you're a Jesus follower. Once you were what? Dead. Okay, that's cutting straight to it, right? Not having a bad hair day, right? I know it's kind of a bad day. No, you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passion, desires, and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we're subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he, was, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown and all he's done for us who are united or who are in Christ. But he's saying, hey, God, throughout all ages, God said, you want to know how awesome I am and how full of grace I am? Look what I did for them. Look at the debt I paid. Look what I did for them. Look at the grace I poured out on them. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Are you thankful that God doesn't give you what you deserve? You deserve, and I deserve, his anger and his wrath. Are you, are you thankful that instead God gives you what you need. He gives you a savior. He gives you salvation. He gives you freedom. He gives you mercy. He gives you grace. And listen, if our hearts don't explode when we think about the mercy and grace of God, we've obviously forgotten how bad off we were before we met Jesus. We were dead. We're objects of God's anger. We had no hope. We had no lasting meaning or purpose. All we had was guilt and fear, bitterness, worry, and regret. Before grace, we were headed to a Christless eternity in hell, not heaven. And our debt was too big, right? We couldn't, we could never be enough. We could never do enough to earn our salvation. But then just at the right time, when we were still powerless, mercy and grace came riding in on the donkey and later hung on the cross and they changed everything. When I see that cross, I see freedom, like we just sang, right? When I see that grave, and one day we'll see that grave, I'll see Jesus. And from death to life, I'll sing your praise in the wonder 
of his grace. I am thankful for God's mercy and grace. I'm thankful that Jesus paid a debt. He did not owe because I owed a debt that I could never pay. And I'm thankful that these words that Paul wrote in Colossians are just as true today as they were 2,000 years ago when he penned them. You used to be far from God. Your thoughts made you his enemies, and you did evil things. But a son became a human and died, so God made peace with you. And now, he lets you stand in his presence as people who are holy and faultless and innocent. That's good news. And that's something to be thankful for. Amen? I'm thankful for the relationship that God wants to have with me. Romans 5, 11 and 12. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. You see, God didn't just save you so that you would not go to hell. God saved you so that you could have a relationship with him. You know, he adopted you into his family. He calls you his child. Like, like John says in, in uh, 1 John, behold what manner. Remember that word? Is that what country, right? It's out of the word. Behold what country. You know? Behold what manner of love. The Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Are you thankful for the personal relationship that you can have with God? David was. Psalm 18, he says this. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. Eight, eight times he uses that pronoun. You know, you're my Right? And he's emphasizing this personal relationship that he had with God. You see, to David, God wasn't a, a far off deity with a gray beard up in the clouds, but he was someone that, that David knew personally. He had a relationship with. He could, he could say, God, God is my rock, my strength, my shield, my deliverer, my fortress. God is my place of safety. I mean, are, are you thankful that you can have a personal relationship with God? You know how crazy that is? Like, we're talking about the God who breathes out stars, right? Breathes out stars. Created everything out of nothing. And he, you can have a relationship with him. I mean, I, I mean are you thankful that, that, that Jesus left his throne So that you can be known by him. And so that you can know him. See, when it comes to having a relationship with God, you know, Jesus has done all the heavy lifting, right? God's done all the heavy lifting. And I just want to ask you, I mean, ask yourself, like, how much lifting are you doing? Like, like, like what, what are you doing to really pursue God? <laughs> He's done everything. Put on flesh, died on the cross, got beaten, right? Just so you can know him intimately, so you can know him personally, so he can walk with you, right? Be with you all the time and know that he's there. You know, what are you doing? Are you thankful, right? Does your life show that you're thankful, right? I think we can be more thankful because that's pretty crazy, you know, that I could have a relationship with the guy who breathes out stars. 
I'm thankful for the purpose that God gives me. A lot of people in our world have like no purpose, right? No direction in their life. I, I, I used to be there, but, but, but I'm not anymore. I know God has a purpose and a plan for my life. Uh, about 23 years ago, I, I discovered a verse in the book of Jeremiah. It, it was a verse written to a bunch of people that because of their own sin and rebellion, God had, had allowed some hard times to come their way. They're occupied by a, a foreign nation. They had lost so much, and, and they were pretty sure they'd blown it with God. You know, the guy was kind of done with them. And, and then the prophet Jeremiah speaks these words. You know, you've probably seen him on a coffee cup or a t-shirt, right? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. See, no, no matter what you're going through, no matter what circumstances, God says, hey, you know what? I'm not giving up on you, and I have a plan, and I have a purpose for your life. Your life is not an accident. You are here on purpose, and you are here for a purpose. You know, you're here to, to live your life on mission. So we talk about here at, at Maple Grove, you're here to live your life on mission. You know, you're here to you know, belong to God, to belong to his family, to church. You're here to, to grow in your faith and your relationship with God. You, you exist to, to serve his family, his body, to make it stronger. And you're here to engage this world that he loves so much through acts of compassion. And, and I, I want to thank you guys who bake cookies. You know, uh, our, one of our new ministry is taking cookies and baked goods down to the uh, correctional officers and staff at the county jail. I dropped them off on Monday, and, and I got to meet a couple of the uh, uh, correctional officers, and people worked in there, and I got a hug and, and all, all kinds of good stuff. And then I got a, got a phone call from the chaplain, actually Hannah did, uh, um, not but three hours later, said, man, they are just blown away. Uh, they, they, it brightened their day. They're blown away by all these cookies. They feel so appreciated, right? We're going to do that again this month, right? That, that's, that's what we're here for, right? We're here to be light. We're here to encourage people. And we're here to also share Christ with people through evangelism, right? I'm happy for the purpose that God has given me. If you're breathing, if you're alive, if your heart is beating, God has a plan for your life. And just as I'm blown away by I get to have a relationship with God, like, like we get to be a part of like the most important thing going on on the face of the planet. Sometimes you may not feel that way. Yeah, sometimes I don't feel that way. Oh, wow, that guy's got a job, more, seems more important than mine. Look at him, all the people he knows, he's famous. And, but I'm part of something that is changing where people spend forever, right? I, I'm part of something that brings hope to the hopeless. I, I'm part of something that frees the oppressed. I, I'm part of something, right? that feeds the hungry, right? That gives drink to the thirsty. The greatest thing going on. What a purpose. I, and I'm thankful for the future God's preparing for me. Jesus said to his guys, do not let your hearts be troubled. You know why he said it? Guess what their hearts were? They're troubled. <laughs> Maybe yours is troubled right now because of what's going on or what's up ahead. He probably said the same thing to you. Trust in God, 
Trust in me. And there's something bigger than this life right now. There's something bigger than the circumstances that you're going through. Trust in God, trust in me. And then he zips to the future, right? There are many rooms in my father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Jesus is preparing a place for me and for you as Jesus' followers. Heaven is going to blow our minds, right? Blow our minds. I mean, among other things, we're going to get a new body, amen? (laughs) No pain, no sickness, no heartache. You can eat all the pumpkin pie with Cool Whip you want and not gain a pound, right? I mean, and you'll be reunited with all your loved ones, right? You will see them again. And what a day of rejoicing that will be. Amen? I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? When he comes back, cracks the sky, those right now that you love that are in Christ They get to go first. They're first in line, and there's no cutting in line. They go first. They're going to be transformed with their brand new body. They're going to be up in the clouds, zipping around with Jesus. Don't know what it's like, but it sounds like a lot of fun. And then we get our new body, and we join them up there, and we're just in the clouds, zipping around, whatever. It's going to be amazing. And John says this about our new home, about our forever, not your tomorrow, not your 10 days. We're talking about forever. And forever is like, forever. (laughs) Then I saw a new Jerusalem, that holy city coming down from God in heaven. It was like a bride dressed in her wedding gown and ready to meet her husband. And I heard a loud voice shout from the throne, God's home is now with his people. He will live with them and they will be his own. Yes, God will make his home among his people. He'll wipe all tears from their eyes and there'll be no more death, suffering, crying, or pain. These things of the past are gone forever. Then the one sitting on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Write down what I've said. My words are true and can be trusted. Doesn't that make your heart beat a little bit faster, right? We just sang about that, right? And on that day, when my strength is failing, right? I'm also thankful for the changes that God is making in me. I'm thankful that back in December of 1979, uh, when I surrendered in Christ and faith and repentance and was baptized into his name, that that because of his great love, that, that God accepted me as I was, but I'm also thankful that he did not lead me that way. Because I really wasn't so good. <laughs> and I'm also thankful that God's still not done yet, right? I'm thankful that, I'm thankful for the changes that God has made in my life, but I'm thankful also for the person I'm yet to become because he's still working on me. According to legend, an awestruck admirer looked at the, the great masterpiece of David from um, Michelangelo and was like, dude, like, how did you pull this thing off? And here's what he replied. David was always in the marble. I just chipped away everything that was not David. And you see, in December of 1979, God took a 19-year-old kid in the Navy named Steve Malone, saved him from his sin, gave him a living hope, and then God the master artist began chipping away and chipping away and chipping away, molding me, shaping me, changing me, making me different. You see, Steve Malone was always in the marble. 
But God has to chip away everything, right? You were always in the marble when God created you. But God just has to chip away the stuff that's not you. You can be more. You can be better. You can become all that God wants you to be. Philippians 1.6, God began doing a good work in you, and I'm sure he will continue it until it's finished. When Christ comes again, 2 Corinthians 3.18, as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become what? More and more like him. And finally, I'm thankful for the things I tend to take for granted. I, I take too much for granted. Hey, if the stars only came out one night a year, would you go out and look? Probably would, right? We, we, we take things for granted that we wouldn't even notice them until what? Until they're gone. Until they're gone. I mean, turn off your hot water for the month of January. Uh, unplug your washing machine and do all your laundry outside with your garden hose, right? Disconnect from the internet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Move to a country where you do not, have, do not have freedom. Leave your car in the driveway for a month and walk or take a bus wherever you go. Tie a blindfold over your eyes for a week. What if you only had one more day with your spouse, your kids, or your parents, or a loved one? How would you spend it? I mean, would you strive to savor every moment rather than trying to rush through the day? I mean, is there anything or anyone that you should be thankful for, but instead, at this very moment, you are taking them for granted and would miss them if they're gone? I got to be honest, I miss my number 30 molar right now. (laughs) You have no idea how much you need to a molar bottom your teeth really to chew on that side. That's a minor thing, but an experiment was done in New York City by an advertising firm. They took a guy at Spring in Central Park and they put, gave him a sign that made him look set up like he was blind and it says, I'm blind. And that day he collected $4. The next day they wrote on the sign, I'm blind and it's springtime. That day he collected Almost $400. What was the difference? Well, see, people that they realize that, wow, look at all the stuff he's missing. Look at all the stuff that he's, he's not seeing. I'm thankful for the grace and mercy that God shows me. I'm thankful for the relationship that God wants to have me, have with me. I'm thankful for the purpose that God gives me. I th- I'm thankful for the future that God has planned for me for the changes he's making in me and, the, and for the things I tend to take for granted. And listen, those things should put a bigger smile on my face and more joy in my heart than they usually do. And maybe you're at the same place. And maybe focusing on these things, you can just celebrate what you have. And those things will never go away, right? It's, it's forever. Okay, the 31-day challenge. And don't worry, my points are never balanced, so you're not like, oh, my God. We'll never get, I'm thankful that Steve is almost done. No. Okay, there are 31 days left in 2019. 
Yes, 334 days, they're gone. Uh, you're not going to get them back. And so the challenge is about ending the year trying to live out this truth that love is, is thankful. And really, thankfulness not expressed is really ingratitude. Luke records the following counter in the 17th chapter of his gospel. As Jesus continued on to Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, one of them came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Poke. <laughs> uh, Jesus answered, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. And, and when I read that recently, I was like, okay, was he already healed in verse 17? <laughs> you know, so what's, why does Jesus say in verse 19, stand up and go, your faith has healed you? And then I, I looked and saw that the word for healed in verse 17 is a different word for heal in Greek in verse 19. The word for heal in verse 19 has to do with more to save true wellness and complete wholeness. And here's what I think is going on. I think the guy was healed of his leprosy, but what made him whole and complete was when he returned to, to give thanks. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is that when, whenever we receive favor and blessings from God, and we fail to show gratitude, I think we miss out on something. I think we miss out on some inner healing that can take place inside of us. Matter of fact, a lot of psychological studies agree that you know, gratitude and thankfulness is one of the healthiest of all emotions. It produces a lot of positive energy in our lives. Just being grateful. And, and, and here's a, there's a lady who wrote a book. I'm probably going to say her name wrong because she's a, a, a lady who writes Christian books that ladies read and guys probably don't read a lot of. And is it Voskamp? Is that how you say her name? Ann Voskamp. Anybody ever heard of her? No one heard of her. Okay, did I say it right? Okay, I was, I, I, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I say things wrong. Okay, thank you. I thought no one heard of her. Anyhow. Uh, she wrote a book called A Thousand Gifts. And, and the premise of this book was how, you know, every day, and we've done this years, years and years ago, um, every day you write down three things, three different things that you're thankful for. And, and how doing that is really positive, and it actually reorganizes your brain to start focusing on good and positive things rather than on negative things by a factor of 25 to 50%. Right? You're 25 to 50% more likely to think positive thoughts than negative thoughts when you do this. I think anybody could use that in your family or, you know, what country doesn't, what, what place doesn't need that? Where a million people took this challenge. And, and those million people, after doing this, these three blessings a day, um, and, and as I go through, see if this is some things you wouldn't mind having in your life. They had a higher level of alertness, higher enthusiasm, higher optimism, higher attentiveness. They had more energy. They were more motivated. They were more likable. 
They, they were more others-oriented. They were more forgiving. They were more generous. They were more helpful. They were more likely to volunteer, and they were more likely to give back. Could anyone use any of those things? You know, love is thankful. So, so here's the challenge. For the, for the next 31 days, beginning today, each day, write down three things that you're thankful to God for and see what happens. And remember, every good and perfect gift is from what? Above, right? Everything that's good you have, everything's from God, right? So just every day. So at the end of the month, you'd have how many, you mathematicians, right? You'd have 93, right? You'd have 93 separate things that you're thankful for, and you write them down every day, right? Write them down every day. And they don't, they could be big things, they could be small things, right? They could be things like, Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. They could be brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Cream color, never, I'll stop. <laughs> okay, and, and here, here's what's going to happen. I've done this and, and it worked. And then I stopped doing it and I stopped doing it. Because <laughs> here, here's what hap- really happens when you focus on what you're thankful for, it does something inside of you that flows out from you and you just want to pour it out on somebody else, right? You just want to, you're just like, I just want to thank somebody. I got to thank somebody, right? It just is crazy what happens when you do this, right? And, and so, so it, this is a two-part challenge, right? You know, one is your three days. You're going to say, hey, for 31 days, I'm going to do these three days. I'm going to, I'm going to write them down, the things that I'm thankful for, you know? And, and the second part is you're going to do one-a-days, you know, every day you're going to thank somebody. You know, you can, a tweet, a text, a phone call, an email, and, and make at least five of those, 31, a handwritten note. Wow. Yeah. Those things have power. They, they really do. I'm terrible at them. People visit for the first time. I usually take three cards and I, I start writing. Oh gosh, left out a word, right? Oh no, I spelled that wrong. It's terrible. Uh, uh, but you know what? It means something to somebody, right? That you took time to make. You got to. That's the challenge, right? Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them, right? Like it, everything we've talked about, the love is has something that you can do, right? Every single thing. You know, and I guarantee you, I, I guarantee you that if you will take this challenge to write down three blessings and thank w- at least one person every day for the rest of this year, you'll be a lot happier than you are right this moment. You have a different perspective on life than you have at this moment. If you're at a point in your life, I hate my life moment, right? You know what? If you do this, that's not going to be where you are. You're going to be at a totally different place, you know? And, and if you really do this and that doesn't happen, um, you can buy me a cup of coffee, <laughs> What? I thought you have something. All right. All right, go ahead. Let's reopen that file of the old guy on the pier as we really conclude. Uh, Max McLeod writes again. Okay, here's this old guy. What's his deal? He writes, his name was Eddie Rickenbacker, and every Friday night until his death in 1973, he would walk with a large bucket of shrimp slightly stooped over to an old broken-down pier on the east coast of Florida. Something happened in October 1942 and prompted this man for the next 30 years to make this trip to feed seagulls every Friday night, 1,500 Friday nights in a row. 
You see, back in 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was sent on a mission to deliver a message to General Douglas MacArthur with a hand-picked crew in a B-17 known as the Flying Fortress. He set off from the South Pacific, and somewhere along the way, the crew became lost, the fuel ran out, and their plane went down. All eight crew members escaped in life rafts. They battled the weather, the sharks, and the sun, but most of all, they battled hunger. After eight days, their rations were gone. They ran out of options. It would take a miracle for them to survive, and the miracle occurred. After an afternoon devotional service that was closed with prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise, the men tried to get some rest. As Rickenbacker was dozing off with his hat over his eyes, something landed on his head. He would later say, I knew that it was a seagull. Don't know how I knew. I just knew. Everyone else knew too. No one said a word, but peering under, from under my hat brim without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at the gall. The gall meant food, if I could catch it. And he did. The flesh was eating, the intestines were used as fish bait, and the crew survived. Question, what was a seagull doing hundreds of miles away from land? Only God knows. But for whatever reason, he was there. And because he was there, because Captain Eddie Rickenbacker never forgot, for 30 years, every Friday evening, about sunset, on a lonely stretch of beach along the eastern Florida seacoast, you could see an old man walking, white-haired, bushy, eyebrow slightly bent, his bucket filled with shrimp, and his heart full of thanks to remember the one who on a day long past gave himself without a struggle so he could live. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his life without a struggle so that we could live. And those who remember, those who have not forgotten, those who are thankful for the second chances they get every day will with buckets filled with expressed gratitude Chase after life, overflowing with thankfulness. I mean, do, 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 we don't. But do we understand what Jesus has done for us? Why in the world was God the Son, why, why in the world was the Alpha and Omega, right, the King of kings and Lord of lords, what in the world was he doing so far from his heavenly throne and hanging on an old rugged cross? Only God really knows. But because Jesus was there, because of that cross, we get to live. And those who remember, those who never forget, and those who really think about it, will, as we're about to sing, right, they will stand amazed in his presence, right? that he would do something like that for us. Would you guys stand and pray with me? Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And Lord, I, Lord, the most important part is what we do when we leave here. And God, I just pray that those in this room will just take this challenge. Lord, forgive us for ingratitude. Lord, we complain more than we thank you for the things that we have. Right now there's people in IC units, Lord. There's millions of Syrian refugees, you know, living in tents, displaced from their homes. Uh, we have it so good, and we're so ungrateful. Uh, God, help us to change that. Um, thank you for the blessings you pour out of us that are just so numerous. Help us to be a thankful people, because love is thankful. And Jesus, thank you for the cross and what it means Help us to celebrate your mercy and your, and your grace and your purpose and the relationship we can have with you and the changes that you're, that you're making in us, the future that you have 
plan for us. In Jesus' name, amen.